0: everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Multiversity Manga Club. I'm your host, Emily, and I'm joined, as always, by both Zach and Walter. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing all right. Yeah, doing yeah. very well. Yeah. Fel- fellow co-hosts. <laughs> we gotta okay. be, you know, equivalents here. Yes. Okay. Gotta...
0: Hey, we're, we're all professionals all, here.
1: All on equal footing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been a little busy, but still got all my reading and video game time in, so that's that's good.
1: The, the uh, most important time. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. Yes. What, definitely. what video game are you playing, or games?
0: Uh, Mostly Persona 5. Awesome game. Most,
1: mostly as in, like, exclusively. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Every night. <laughs> so, I've
2: got Persona 5, but I haven't been able to play it very much, and I'm really sad about it.
0: Oh, uh, it's really fun. Have you played the other ones?
2: I've played... A lot of four, and a little bit of three.
0: Okay, I think, I think four is. I mean, at the time, like obviously, I think I'm, I think I'm starting to think of five as my favorite now. But four, I think, is definitely better than three. Though they're all good. Okay. Okay. Um,
2: That's exciting. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that because I, I really like four a lot. Yeah.
0: It also but has I, a manga. Like I said, I just
2: <laughs> yeah, I just haven't made it very far.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. So I'll definitely—it's it, definitely a time sink, though. So. Um,
2: yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I can understand. It's,
2: it's kind like, okay of talk that. about persona because it's—it's manga adjacent. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's a—that's a good it, way it, to describe it.
0: Well, it, and it actually, yeah, I mean, it does have manga adaptations. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they've—I don't think they've been officially translated in English, but I wouldn't force that on you guys anyway.
2: <laughs> well, I think three—I think three and four have been. Um, I've seen those around. Okay. At least four, four for sure. I know has been. I've seen yeah, Persona Four. The adaptations have been translated. Right. Are they doing ones for five as well? Uh,
0: I know there is one. I mean, obviously, it's only in Japanese right now. Right. But right. I have seen like screen caps of it going around. Okay. Um. But yeah, just disclaimer to all the listeners: if you're on the fence about buying it or if you have any interest, uh, definitely uh, give it a shot. I swear Atlas isn't paying me or anything <laughs> um but yeah so so this month as always we're gonna go over the last month in Weekly Shonen Jump and also look at a few volumes from a manga of our choice and this month we decided to read the first three volumes of Cromartie High School by A.G. Nonaka which is quite different from other things we've read um well, I guess it's a little similar to Oran and that they both take place in a high school and they're both comedies. Um, but this and one that's is... about it. <laughs> yeah, because this is a school of delinquents and the comedy is very, very different in style. So I guess we can just jump right in. Um, just if we want to give our first impressions and thoughts as we kept reading. Anybody yeah. want to toss anything out?
1: Yeah, you know, I... I've before uh, we read it for this, I'd you know seen some pages of Cromartie. Uh, you know this, this was kind of coming out around like the I don't know about early, but you know the age of the internet as I was like in high school and everything. So a lot of these like scenes are familiar to me. The famous mm-hmm. shot of like you know Freddie Mercury's first appearance and all that. <laughs> or, sorry, sorry, Fred. Freddie, Fred. not Freddie Mercury, Fred. Freddie. Uh, just a coincidence the similarity there Um, but and I've seen some of the episodes of the anime but you know getting to just kind of sit down and plow through it it, it's my favorite it's probably my favorite kind of comedy that's like really just absurd off the wall like it's it's parody but it really that's not the main thrust of it. It's parody in the fact that it's built on, you know, another genre. But what it really is is just this nuts, random, completely ridiculous humor, but not so random that it's just unintelligible. There it's right. just mind bogglingly funny at times.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. This um so, so, like, Oran was funny, but it wasn't necessarily, like, my, like, the type of humor that I usually find appealing. Right. Uh, Cromartie is 100% the type of humor that I find appealing. Yeah. Um, I Yeah, I thought this was hilarious. Like, the, the <laughs> deadpan delivery of everything is just, like, so serious. I, I love it, and it, it instantly made me think of like a high school version of One Punch Man, you know? It's okay. like that same kind yeah. of delivery.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, the, the very deadpan uh, aspect to it. It's just kind of like here's the joke. We're not going to like dress it up like it is the joke. It's just there. Um, and, see, a comparison that came to mind for me, it's not really necessarily in the style of the humor, but the nature of the characters. Specifically, and this will sound a bit weird. Uh, we're all Arrested Development fans, correct? Mm-mm. Yep. And I assume that our fans are otherwise. You know, too bad this will be lost. <laughs> I say, I say, fans, listeners, listeners. I'll. I'm not, can't. Don't want to. Don't, want to, be, <laughs> don't want to be.
0: Don't want to be too
1: generous to <laughs> Um But the nature of the character and the role in the comedy of Kameyama... Reminds me very much of Michael Bluth because obviously a lot of in a lot of comedy, you've got, you know, the straight man role, um, you know, it's the person who everyone else is ridiculous, they're very serious. But they both kind of serve a role where they they fill that function, but it's just in comparison to everybody else. When you look at it, Kameyama, like Michael Bluth, <laughs> is completely ridiculous. He's you know, you're supposed to believe that, oh, he was so, like, noble and went to this delinquent school to be there for his friend when he was really much smarter. But he's he's a complete moron, too. It's just that everyone else at Cromartie is dumber. <laughs> and he, he's Maybe he's not as weird as all the other inhabitants of this school. He's still pretty weird.
0: Well, you forgot to note that it's also his goal to, like, reform the school or something. that's true (laughs) so he says
1: I'm not sure how much hope he has of that
0: and I'm not really sure that what he's doing is even furthering that goal at all mostly he's just kind of giving speeches about friendship like extremely like tedious like wordy speeches about like believing in yourself at least once or twice a volume (laughs) yeah if not more yeah. But yeah, it, um, I think also what's nice about Kermarty is we, we brought this up a little bit, but it, you know, it, I'm loosely familiar with what it's parodying, um, which are these like delinquent manga and anime, which I think came out more in the eighties and early nineties, like, like about 10 or so years before Cromartie was published. But you really don't need to know that much about it, um, to appreciate the humor because, Like we've pointed out, it's just extremely deadpan, sarcastic, you know. And honestly, it's hard to find comedy like this in anime and manga. Um, It's... I I, I don't mean this to sound like, you know, I don't know, offensive or something, but it it feels, I guess, more Western. Like, I feel like it's something that's more easily accessible to, like... um, you know people from the west like consuming this kind of media because it i don't know it definitely it doesn't um attach itself to too many of like the comedy tropes you see in like i guess your typical comedy manga if that makes sense
1: right and i and i think that uh because it's not so tied to the uh preceding genre you know Cromartie at least on an international level, you know, it's it's surpassed the genre it's parodying. Mm-hmm. You know, people know Cromartie who have no idea about, like, the whole delinquent uh, manga, delinquent uh, comedy genre sort of thing. Um, and, yeah, it's the sort of thing, kind of like Blazing Saddles, you know, lots of people love Blazing Saddles who could never sit through a Western. Um, right. And because there's Yes, there are certain specific callbacks, but those callbacks aren't necessarily funny just because you recognize the callback. They're funny because they're funny. So if you don't right. get it, it's still going to make you laugh.
0: Yeah, which is the mark of a good parody, I think.
1: Right. It,
0: it helps if you're familiar with, this, with, with what it's actually um, riffing on, but you don't need to be intimately familiar with it no yeah
2: and it's it's interesting that you like brought up the accessibility i think one thing that kind of maybe helps it is the the brevity of each chapter
0: yeah definitely
2: mm-hmm. um, I, yeah I, that's uh that's a unique Part or a unique aspect of this manga compared to like some other manga that I've read. Not that other manga are, you know, excessively long, they're, they're still quite brief compared to like a, a Western comic, but like I the think,
0: chapters themselves.
2: Yeah, yeah, the chapters yeah. themselves are, are more bite sized, and I think that plays really well into the way that its humor is set up and the way it, the delivery.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: You know, that, that's actually something I wanted to talk about as well um, because something that i was, i couldn't help thinking about when i was reading it is because the chapters are a little bit shorter a lot of the times especially in uh, once it really gets going and it's gone past like just establishing the setting and the characters and all that uh, you have you know these chapters that are building up to a single punchline you know the punchline the final page that's kind of the point of the manga of that chapter of the manga, there might be like other jokes throughout, of course, but this it's structured around this final gag. And I was thinking about that because that model kind of only works in either a collections like these, you know, the published paperbacks or within a uh, serialized uh, anthology because like you know I was driven I, I, could, I couldn't help compare but compare it to uh, American comedy comics that I would like you know, something like you know skull kickers, uh, things like of that nature, where they have to follow more of a conventional narrative structure. you know, like a lot of your American comedy comics, they still want to um, have some sort of plot, and then often end with your typical cliffhanger of "Here's what's happening next" and all that, because if they're being published in this normal like issue by issue form, they still have to kind of encourage you—you you have to go out and get the next issue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas in something like uh, Cromartie, you know, it's part of this magazine as it's originally being published. You know, maybe you're getting it because you just love Cromartie that much, but a lot of the times that's not what's solely going to be um, bringing you to the magazine. Or alternatively, you're reading this all in one sitting in the like uh, paperback version. You know, it's it in some ways the way that the comedy is structured is more reminiscent of a American comic strip, even though it's Mm. longer, but it's got that same sort of it's getting to a specific point that it wants to you know, hammer on with its humor rather than what you would see in an American comic book where it's telling a story and has a lot of jokes within it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I feel that there's some element of that with, you know, I often grumble a lot about how I think uh, American comics and other just Western comics should be more and particularly the fans, should be more open to anthology-type uh, mm-hmm. uh, comic publications, just because there's certain stories that you can do in them, like this, um, that you couldn't really do in just the issue-by-issue format.
2: Yeah, there is something really special and cool about the anthology format, um, which is why I think you know things like Weekly Shonen Jump and... And like Dark Horse presents, and and um, uh, Islands as like a more recent thing, are all yeah. like really cool special things that kind of get. I, I don't know. I they tend to get overlooked, and I don't. I don't really understand why.
1: Yeah, I, it's. I think part of it is because. You know, you get you, you get the price involved and that makes things a really difficult question of okay in the u.s for one reason it's the it, the comics are tend to be more expensive uh because they tend to tend to be not always but still a lot of the, especially for major publishers tend to be you know fully colored right. um and then just because i brian might have brought this up in our uh, what would it be Sister Podcast, the DC Three Cast that Zach is also a member of? I know him. And, him and I have talked about how we would. I we would love to see like a DC Comics anthology. Uh, that so you don't have like you don't need to like take risks with spinoff series as much that later that quickly get canceled. Um, but there does seem just to be less interest in that uh, when it comes to American comic fans uh,
0: uh, I was just gonna sorry dumb question but when you say anthology do you just mean like everything you don't mean like collected together or do you mean like
1: well like like uh, shown shown jump yeah oh
0: okay okay yeah like different comics together
1: yes, yes okay okay more more of a magazine format like uh, okay yeah
0: wasn't sure exactly what you meant by that yeah
1: yeah Sorry we sometimes slip into the more American comics parlance.
0: No, it. no, it's it's totally cool.
2: It's hard it's kind of hard not to. That's like right. the uh, the touch you know the touchstone really, I guess. Right.
0: No, it it, it totally makes sense. It's totally fine.
1: My favorite um, run on Cromartie High School. <laughs> oh man, I can't the, wait to
0: read mec- more since Cromartie High School. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, well, to be cool.
1: honest to uh, if doing a straight up comedy probably wouldn't be too much different.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um sorry, um, I kinda wanna bounce off the idea, you know, the us talking about the length. I think the length really helps Cromarty, um the length of each uh chapter, I mean. I think if some of these dragged on a little bit longer it wouldn't be as funny. Right. Um
1: It gives it focus. Yeah,
0: yeah. Because otherwise these stories, I mean, and, and certain, certain, I don't want to say plot threads, but <laughs> like certain characters you meet will show up again. Certain things that were happening in a previous chapter will, you know, continue in others. Um, but also something I've noticed, and, and I know we're kind of specifically talking about the manga here, but it really helps the anime too. Because the anime actually is, is also short episodes. Which I think is really cool. So, like, you know, each episode will be maybe five or six minutes long. And the entire anime, at least what's been um uh what's been made and I doubt they'll make any more. Um, Disco Tech, a uh anime distributor, recently I think, um, like uh licensed saved Cromarty and um re-released the D V D, which I have and it's awesome. Um <laughs> but yeah, so the anime is um kind of just a a greatest hits compilation i want to say of the manga that had been released at that time and it works really well um the uh funny thing too like it it, it, they almost feel like when i was watching it with the english dub which is also really really funny um they almost feel like adult swim shorts honestly like i could easily see it as an Adult Swim short. And in fact, a friend who we had over at the time who had no, like, who had no knowledge of Cromartie before this was like, was, was this on Adult Swim or something? Like, he he too was kind of like, yeah, I could totally see that. So. Yeah,
1: so especially that, like, early era Adult yeah. Swim. It's it's a very similar uh, space of comedy. Yeah, that it's working in. Yeah, that's spot on. Like,
2: one. yeah, I don't, I didn't make that connection at all, but even, like, from, like, art stills I've seen of the anime, it, it fits yeah. in, that, in that wheelhouse perfectly. Oh, and and maybe the... that plays into, like, kind of what you mentioned earlier about, like, it being slightly more Western or, like, accessible to Western sensibilities. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it really does kind of, like, fit that mold.
1: Right. And, and both in the manga and the anime, um, you see um, a lot of the humor is partially built on the deliberate laziness of it. Yeah, you know, you've got the repeated <laughs> panels um, that are just more more or less the same thing. You you see like the same angle of Kamiyama's face like over and over <laughs> th- throughout the, each paperback as uh, he's like talking. It's always like you know you've got like one of three maybe four angles of his face if it's just him talking rather than doing something specific. Right. <laughs> and, and you know it adds to like the ridiculousness of it all uh, yeah
0: there's um the best example of this for the anime actually and the anime is also extremely cheap um it's almost barely animated but again that just adds to the humor um i think in the first episode um they you know how in the first few chapters of the manga Kamiyama tells that story about the dominoes that he he like sabotaged his school's like attempt to break the domino world record or something.
1: Oh, you're one bad dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in the anime, uh, this episode, he's about to tell them what made him so badass. Before that, it just goes, uh, "If you want to hear the story, please read the manga." <laughs> and it just it's just the episode just ends. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like it's it's obviously like. You know, a cheap trick to save money, but also like, oh, uh, I see what you did there. That's funny.
1: <laughs> right. And it's definitely that that whole style of uh I was about to say crass. It's not crass at all, actually, surprisingly. Yeah, um, really though. It's not. Um But you know, that kind of uh not quite rudeness, but uh, I'm struggling for the word that I meant to use. Um, um, stupid humor.
0: <laughs>
1: let's go I mean, with that.
0: <laughs> it's not really. It is stupid, but I wouldn't say it's like brainless. I, I don't know. Like obviously, he knows.
1: There's right. intelligence to it. You know, you've right. got. <laughs> there's a lot of
2: like really funny dichotomies going, or like yeah. contradictions, paradoxes. Like, yeah, these guys are all like very kind. You know, they're 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 brutish. They're, they're, they're grass in nature, but they're all actually like very polite and well mannered in a way, you
0: know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're kind, yeah, they're polite to each other.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like they have, they have meetings about who they're going to go kidnap and beat up, you know, like, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're very organized and like, you know,
1: <laughs> there's an order. There's a natural order to <laughs> yeah. this.
0: There's a hierarchy and like, like yeah. weird bureaucratic, like organization of people. Um, yeah, and I, I don't think you ever see... Uh, Walter and I were talking about this the other day. I think you see, like, one teacher. <laughs> the rest of the time, yeah. people, are, people are just standing around class talking, um, saving their friends from, from being kidnapped by another school, or, like, just, you know, doing weird stuff together.
2: <laughs> yeah, trying to, like, figure out what's going on. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. And, and that, that, I feel, might be one of the examples of more specific parody... Um, perhaps I'm, I'm just making assumptions here, but not just from the uh, specifically the kind of delinquent uh, subgenre, but just all these uh, series set in schools. You know, you typically get like a passing reference to "Oh, we'll see you tomorrow, teacher," or something like that, and then the rest of the story, you know, just involves the yeah. students or whatever. Whereas, you know, in this case, no, we're just gonna. There are no no adults here. No uh, teachers supervising. Doesn't matter. Um, no.
0: <laughs> um, Freddie may or may not be a student. He just may- kind of shows up at yeah. the school. Uh, the gorilla. Just, we don't quite know the age
2: of the gorilla or <laughs> <Yeah. what> his <laughs> status is in terms of adulthood.
0: Though he is smarter than almost all the students there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Another thing I, I, that just that just came to me as we were talking is that I was surprised at how little... I mean, I, again, we've only read three volumes, but like, I, it never seemed like jokes became too stale. You know, like, they... I mean, they did kind of revisit certain ideas a lot, like, you know, when you first meet Mechazawa, um, you think that pretty much all the punchlines involving him are going to be someone almost asking him if he's a robot, and then asking him about something mundane instead, like, the button on his shirt is undone. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then they'll do something, like, I, which I thought was funny, was, like, you know, there'll be another scene with Mekazawa and someone's yelling at him, and then something distracts them, and then they turn back and start yelling at another appliance in the room that is not Mekazawa. It's just another metal thing. Right. So, yeah, you know, they, they, he kind of plays with these, you know, different takes, I guess, on the same joke, which I thought was, was, was really cool.
1: And then that kind of goes back to what I was mentioning before about it. it. That's one of the things that first made me thinking about the comparison to uh, American newspaper strips, because that's one thing you really wouldn't see, I don't think, in an American comic, at least not to the same extent, in like a comic book, you know, just a comic strip, comic book apart. You know, he would have a few chapters in a row... Like a, like the uh, in the third volume with the Mecha motorcycle, um, oh. that follow a similar structure, have a similar end gag, and you just have those back to back, and that can like work in that format like it does again in newspaper comics. You know, you're maybe you're reading it separately and it's funny like that. Uh, but then and you don't really notice because it's part of so many other things whereas when you read like you get like your collection of Calvin and Hobbes or Bloom County or whatever um, and then you read them in conjunction it's like oh okay you know I see they were like kind of riffing on the same gag whereas I don't think that could really work as well in like the standalone uh, issue format you know people, I think maybe people would start to feel kind of uh, I guess cheated is the right word I'm not saying that would be a, a correct way to feel about it I mean you can feel how you want but you know what I mean by correct yes. um, <laughs> um, but there's a difference between like that full on straight up emulation of the st- same structure in a very similar gag versus just more traditional like callback jokes um, Yeah. so, so yeah it, you bring up that aspect of it, and that that's what brought me to that earlier comparison mm-hmm.
0: right um,
2: yeah, I guess one more thing that I kind of thought of that I guess we've kind of touched on a little bit throughout, but i I don't know if like we've said explicitly, but um one thing I really appreciate is just like how mundane
0: yeah everything is Oh, absolutely that, that, that is so yeah, it makes it so great. Because
1: because everything else at the school is so ridiculous, but they're very fixated on the mundane. Yeah, that's what takes.
0: Yeah, sorry. They've got
1: their they've got their gorilla student. They've got their robot student. But instead, they're like talking about what a normal conversation is. You know. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so tedious. Like
2: like, cram sessions. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like it, it just gets it becomes so tedious too when they're just like talking so much about these like really simple concepts like like Walter mentioned the uh, Kamiyama trying to teach everyone how to have a normal conversation and the one guy is like blown away he's like wow that was normal awesome (laughs) because like they're so tired of talking about beating people up and like smoking and doing delinquent stuff um yeah it's just it's it's so good i don't actually know how many uh volumes it is i want to say it's
2: i wikipedia says that there are 17 oh man
0: maybe eventually i'll read it it's not i'm not exactly clamoring to buy them all right now but it's definitely something i'll probably just be like i could read another volume of cromarty
1: yeah and that that's (laughs) that's a nice that's a nice change from like you know a lot of these like really story heavy ones um you know it's just kind of you feel like you have to keep going with it, you can't just come back to it later. Whereas, you know, this I like a lot of comedies, but even then some comedies can be very story heavy. Whereas this it's more just, I feel like reading some Cromartie, pick up the next one. Yeah. And for our listeners who decided to listen to this even though they haven't read Cromartie, which, hey, maybe there's some of you. Um, <laughs> it's it's out of print, but unlike a lot of out of print stuff since it was originally a pretty Heavily printed, you can find it for. You can find the, especially the earlier volumes for next to nothing.
0: Oh yeah, like like we're talking less than a dollar.
1: Yeah, if you look in there. Yeah. <laughs> very used copies, of course, but yeah, still. Yeah,
0: but I don't think it ever got a higher quality print run. Right. Um. Not like you know, like Dragon your Dragon Balls and um, whatnot.
1: Yeah, you'll get some dated ads, but uh, oh yeah, we'll, we won't we <laughs> won't devote much time to that on the
0: podcast. <laughs> <yes. laughs> all right well um does it do we have any final thoughts or something you want to bring up
1: no i think that about uh covers what i my main impressions of the series um highly recommend if you uh have read some of it and loved it definitely check out the anime as well i know every time we often bring up uh, we shouldn't spend much time on the anime but we do it's hard I mean, not to
0: well especially if the adaptation is good which which yeah, i think this yeah. one is and i've heard some people complain about the english dub but honestly don't listen to those people it's hilarious like, <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure the sub is fine too but just like the deadpan delivery that the english actors give it just make it uh perfect so yeah
1: how about do you have a uh remaining thoughts on it zach
0: no i think
2: like we've pretty much touched on everything um I, I really liked it though And I'm, I'm glad that you guys recommended it I don't I I wasn't familiar with it really at all And I probably never would have picked it up And so I'm glad we read it
0: Yeah, me too Alright all right. Well, I guess we are going to go to our short break right now And then we are going to go over the last month In Shonen Jump We'll see you guys in a bit
2: Hello everybody, my name is Mike And I'm Greg And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at the Eisner-nominated MultiversityComics.com
1: Every week we take about 15 minutes to check out books hitting the shelves on Wednesday that we're most looking forward to We also have long-form
2: discussions about books we're excited for, both old and new These episodes have included works like Jaime Hernandez's Love Bunglers and Katsuhiro Otomo's epic Akira
1: And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews Some of the people we've had on the show have been Tom Scioli, Paul Pope, Leila Del Duca, and John Workman So that's
2: a lot of content for everybody Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow on iTunes or Stitcher So you never miss a thing Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comics-focused entertainment Week in and week out And now,
1: back to your show Alright, welcome back Uh, Now we're in the segment where we discuss uh, some But not everything that happened in the uh, most recent month's worth Of Weekly Shonen Jump And honestly, to begin Have to say, last month we were completely wrong in our predictions of the <laughs> promised Neverland. We were convinced, oh, Ray's dead, and you know, they're absolute, <laughs> absolutely dead, 100%, not coming back, no way, no how. Mm. And not only was it like one of those things where he died, but there was some last-minute reveal that he might survive. He was never dead in the first place. No. And
2: we also thought that Norman was probably alive. I think, and we don't. I guess we don't know that he is not alive, but I, yeah. it really seems like he's probably not. Yeah, really. I, I
1: was. I did. I was wondering about that in the most recent chapter. Like, mm. until I was still thinking, like, okay, he's still probably alive too. But when he had that like thing with uh, Ray, kind of like seeing his force ghost. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that's where I was kind of like, hmm. You know, of course, it could just be, like, Ray himself. Obviously, it's supposed to not really be his ghost. Yeah, he's
0: just thinking about him.
1: Ray's thinking about him. But it does have, like, a certain aspect of finality to it. Like, I Mm -hmm. I would be... It feels like something that you would see if the character was actually dead, rather than... I I don't... I feel like they wouldn't really tease at that if the character was alive. But i'm I'm giving up on making predictions. yeah on this.
0: yeah, see my my thing with um thinking that Ray was actually dead was actually like a very um, or just my interpretation of that scene with Norman where he got taken away and then you see this like final scene where he looks surprised and then you don't see what happens. See, I thought because I assumed he didn't die, I figured oh well, okay, Ray's the one who dies now. you know what I mean like right. I figured that would be the real one. Feels like
1: one of them is marked for death, but maybe yeah, neither of them are. But
0: apparently I can't predict manga for 14 year olds anymore, so <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> Promise Neverland definitely definitely took a blow, or um my, my ego definitely took a blow from uh Promise Neverland this month.
1: <laughs> that all being said, I can't be too sour about it because I I've I really enjoyed uh these past few chapters. Um because not just with like the more the twist of Ray surviving, but there was some other subverting of my expectations. With um, I, I truly was kind of taken by surprise with the idea of them leaving behind the younger kids, um, and particularly with the idea that they're coming back for them. I think that really gave the manga what I think it's been missing. There's more of a up until now, it's been kind of like. We're going to escape, and that's the only thing uh, that's that's uh, important. But it's been hard to see. Okay, what's going? To, how are things going to progress? Uh, what's kind of the way that this story is going? Whereas um, now, I feel like it's got like a more broad, a more long form direction to go in, right. and I, I'm yeah. I'm definitely on board with that. I really like. Uh, where it's going now, and I'm very excited to see how it develops.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's um, kind of more so than other shonen manga I've read. It's really kind of primed for like a, a time skip. I feel like that would be really cool for this because you know the 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 kids are really young. The kids that are still at the orphanage. So if they did a time skip of like you know, I don't know, maybe I guess like five or six years max, then. Emma and them would be adult, well, almost adults, and and the kids would be older. I don't think they would go that far because they probably still want to keep it, like the, the main cast around the same age. But I think it would be, I think it would be cool and different well, if they did that.
2: It's it's interesting because I think, um, because I always have to tie everything back to Naruto. Now, um, <laughs> they kind of set up a very similar situation between the first and second parts of Naruto here, wherein there is a like. Set time frame leading up to a goal that needs yeah. to be met. Um, right. Whereas they, where they they estimate they have at least two years left to save the kids that they left behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I could definitely see where we get a time jump that leads up like close to that two year mark.
1: Yeah, the, the, I'm, I'm most interested to see um, where the next one picks up. Because there are a few, like, I'm not sure, I think there's a possibility there could be some sort of time skip, but I think that might be a little ways off. But even then, it still might, is it going to, like, resume exactly where it left off? You know, now they're still running into the forest. Is it going to be, like, a few weeks later or something? You know, I think that whatever happens next and specifically where it picks up um, will really kind of give a feel for... Where the story's going How it's going to get there Um, And it's, like I said I'm I'm really enjoying it And it's uh, The direction that the plot is going
0: It's definitely the most I think suspenseful story That's happening right now I mean, you know Most of these uh, Most of the things running in Shonen Jump End on a cliffhanger More or less Um, But this one definitely keeps up that suspense going um i would say um i don't know if this is necessarily a weakness of the manga itself or just of reading it week to week and not reading it all together but i do kind of feel like these past few weeks they've been kind of doing this like leap back to explain something or this happened three hours beforehand and i was getting a little confused um just kind of
1: yeah it's a little bit of a maze of Okay, this happened earlier, but this happened earlier than that. Um, and, you know, yeah. it has been at some points a little bit of. Messy. Wait, when did this happen? You know, yeah. trying to get, tie everything up. Um, yeah. So I think that that's another thing. You know, not now that they've escaped, we probably won't be seeing that mm-hmm. again for a while. So I think now, again, we're kind of more on like a more direct. Trajectory for now
2: right maybe though i don't know this is, if not yeah. this like book has been able to subvert our expectations pretty consistently so
1: as we've seen
0: yeah i i was gonna say like before this last <laughs> before the end of the last episode and then the, the very next week was oh ray's actually alive um <laughs> I had a crazy prediction about Norman, but I'm not even sure I want to share it anymore because he's probably dead, and I'll just look stupid. So.
1: <laughs> but then, if we say he's probably dead, he's not going to be dead. There's no yeah, way.
0: for some reason, I thought he might join like the the scientists or something. I don't know why I thought this, but like he would be their guy on the inside. Oh, like so for some reason, I thought they were gonna like what? what?
2: Nothing.
0: I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> Yeah, no, he... I don't know. He. Uh, for some reason, I thought it would be cool if they had someone who was, like, working with, I guess, like, the people that are working with the that demons. That would be
2: a, like, very manga-esque twist, yeah. especially if we had, like, a time jump. Where yeah. Where we find out that he...
1: Norman, you're alive.
2: He's alive, and he's been working with the
0: demons. Yeah, if Norman... But all
1: this time, he's been working against them.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. I mean, if Norman's actually dead, I'll never make another prediction about Promise Neverland ever again. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it's definitely fun to speculate about, though.
2: Yeah, it is fun. Yeah, this book is fun.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. We now have three new series that have been added, uh, previous jumpstarts that we've talked about. Um, I think that... One of the ones we're most excited about is uh, Dr. Stone. Uh, We talked about it before uh, when it hadn't yet been officially picked up. Um, But I think it's a great addition to the magazine. Um, It's kind of got, in some ways, I don't know if you guys agree, but in some ways it sort of reminds me of, in terms of in comparison to the other things that are in the magazine right now, I'd say it's... Oddly similar to Food Wars because there's that kind of semi-educational, semi-scientific aspect to it that makes it, you know, a bit different. Um, yeah. Fun to read.
2: Yeah, I can see that.
1: It's obviously about different subject matter, but in the end, it's they're both on science and yeah. you know the science of food, uh, which is still science, obviously. But that's yeah. you know different for the more hard science of Dr. Stone. Hard science in air quotation marks that you can't see because I'm on.
2: (laughs) Can I I levy my, like, one complaint about this series so far? Yes. I just, like, don't really
1: like any of the characters. Mm. I, I get that. That's I kind of like the story, the ideas, and the energy behind it. I think I'm with
2: you there. Yeah, I like yeah. the idea that, of the comic and kind of like it's it's the world and the world building. But I like, don't like the cast. Right. Um, because they're all just kind of uh they're more like blank archetypes, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You've got you've got the smart guy, the the physical guy, the girl, which is, you know, sad. It's just, like, the, the damsel. Um, and, then right. the, the, and then the villain, essentially.
0: Yeah, and it kind of seems like they're gonna take care of this guy pretty early, though. Yeah,
2: like, take, yeah, take I think pred- so, too. Take,
0: take my predictions about Shonen manga with a grain of salt, apparently. But, um... Yeah, no, I, mean, I think
2: you're spot on. He seems like the, the very, like, low-key, early villain, you know? Right.
0: Yeah, because... You know, his whole thing is that now that everybody is stone and helpless, he can, according to his own rules, which this is a very anime kind of thing, but he's like, he's going to make sure that only the good people are allowed to live in this post-apocalyptic society, which...
2: I know. It's, it's, yeah. it's like, they're worried he's going to become, like, a tyrannical sexual deviant, but he's actually <laughs> just, like, a tyrannical genocidal maniac. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Basically. Yeah, I I, I, to- Basically. I totally get uh what you said, Zach, about the characters though, and I I do like the story. Um too, but um it does kind of feel like especially with um uh I think his name is, is Senku, um, the science guy. Um <laughs> Senku the science guy. Um doesn't really have the same ring to it. Um but
2: It does have the nice alliteration though.
0: Yeah, yeah. kinda. Eh. Yeah.
1: As opposed as opposed to rhyme. Operation versus
0: rhyme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the um he kind of just feels like all the science stuff. It kind of just feels like the author thought this was cool, so he's gonna be just the mouthpiece for these ideas. Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking this because um, this is a bit of a tangent. But Walter and I are both fans of this video game series called um, Zero Escape, which has a lot of these kind of. Um, I to say pseudoscientific scientific ideas, which a lot of the time kind of feel like the characters are just mouthpieces for these ideas. But they do have their own personalities and and likable characteristics, and and you know they tie into and play parts in this really interesting plot. Whereas here, it just kind of so far, it kind of feels like, mm, you know, he's just kind of, yeah. They don't they don't really feel like their own characters yet, really. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: And, I mean, it is still, like, relatively early, but it's also, I mean, we're, what, six or seven chapters in now, and yeah, there's not really that much. I would say that there is almost no real character development going on.
0: In fact, the villain,
2: I guess, has had the most development in that he
1: has taken it on
2: himself to, to
0: eliminate...
1: Make a better world yeah, as yeah. he sees it. They
0: haven't. They haven't really given me a reason to care. You know what I mean? Like I, I guess just in the sense that like, oh yeah, I guess I don't want to see the entire world die. But like, you know, I didn't. I didn't really care when. Um, ugh, ta- ugh, I, I wrote their names down here. Uh, Taiju um, like revived his childhood love. You know, it was. You know, it was obviously supposed to be touching, but. I think at this point the author was just going off of like this idea that oh you will feel sad here because this is just a sad idea, isn't it? You know, and it didn't right. really, you know, it didn't didn't really affect me that much.
1: Yeah. Well, the other uh, one of the two that we enjoy that were <laughs> that was picked up, uh, we've got Robot, laser beam. Um, We've got a sports manga back in the uh, magazine. We've had a few that have run through as jump starts that haven't been picked up, but this one has joined uh, the rotation permanently. Um, And I I wasn't, like, crazy about the uh, first three chapters. You know, I liked it just fine, but I, I didn't love it. But I feel like I've gotten a lot more of a feel for it in these, like, previous uh was it either three or four um since, since uh um, its original trial run ran
2: we'll see it's four yeah I, I like this book a lot it um it also has kind of to me almost like a food wars-esque vibe in and in, in just in its presentation um you know the way it explains how golf works which i guess that's like a typical sports manga thing anyway like you know you kind of have to like explain the rules of the game to, to right. people who are unfamiliar but it um i don't know i like it a lot it i really like how they handle the the kind of like extremely capable protagonist
1: yeah um, um it, it's Better than it, like you know, that's that's more tolerable when there's like an amount of humor to it. Again, to another parallel that we drew uh, last time with with uh, One Punch Man, um, you know, you've got the the extremely capable protagonist, but it's kind of played off for laughs, except for when it needs to be serious. Right. Um, I I'm, I only have a surface level uh, familiarity with sports manga and we'll learn more about it next month uh hint uh at what we're doing next month um but i have noticed from some of the things that have debut have like gone through uh the jump start uh would be series jump start program that makes it sound like a sort of government
0: yeah, I don't know what the
1: initiative. Initiative, that's it. Perfect. Yeah. Ju- the jumpstart initiative, um, like uh, Oleg Galazzo, for example. Like I, I've, I know enough about it to know that one of the main uh, tropes of the genre is that the protagonist has one specific thing they're really good at.
0: Yep.
1: Um, whereas in this case, it's more just he's good at everything. And, um, I think if it didn't have that element of humor, uh, that would make it less compelling, but between the, uh, the humor when necessary, as well as the kind of, uh, you know, personal element to it with the, uh, how he might need some friends, how, there's something there with his dad in golf that we'll probably find out more about. Yeah. It make it makes it more uh, interesting than it otherwise would be to have, like, you know, just oh, this person turns out to be really good at this sport. You know, that could, that could be a lot more boring than it is.
0: Yeah, and isn't it kind of nebulous as to what it is he's actually really good at? I mean, he can hit the ball straight. I mean, that's...
2: Yeah, straight say, and
0: far. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: It, it it's it's rather mundane in the wide range of like sports manga abilities, but yeah. you know I've kind of warmed to it. At first, I thought it was a little bit mm, uh, maybe a little boring, but now I'm kind of like, okay, this could this could be a different take on the whole thing rather than some ri- ridiculous crazy ability. Which I mean, I guess this is kind of, um, but again, it's, compared, it's
1: crazy in the sense of no one could be that good at golf. But it's not crazy it's not like you know some gimmick of right. you know uh, how his experience as a martial arts uh, yeah. person makes him able to like do like one really good backwards kick
0: yeah yeah it's not like he it doesn't feel so much like he has one skill yeah. I mean yeah
2: Well, Um, and and we may even find out that, like, like in this most recent chapter, that maybe you know his his like real like skill is that he's just so right, like technically proficient at in like his form, but that he's not um, good at really uh, like that
1: accounting for
2: accounting for variables, which is which is interesting. He
0: seems to have like real tunnel vision, I think. um, Yeah, when it comes to just. Hitting the ball, and I still have yet to see like him. They keep saying, or at least like I think in like the descriptions of the manga, like before you actually read it, you know, Jonah jump has those little blurbs. Um, it's like, oh, this is the one thing that gets him really fired up, and I'm like, okay, I guess, relatively speaking, yes, but I have yet to see him really like emote while playing. Um, it more just seems which is like kind he's... of his thing. Yeah, I know, but I'm I, maybe that maybe that'll be like the payoff. You know, he'll yeah. Crack a smile or laugh or something
1: <laughs> uh, after winning. So, yeah. Uh, the third series that was picked up was "We Never Learn." If you listen to our previous podcasts, you will, when we talked about it, you will know that not really fans of it. And nope,
2: that hasn't changed.
1: <laughs> that hasn't changed. Um, but that will probably join while well, we try and cover most things running in the magazine. We apologize if any super fans of it are listening, but we are probably not going to continue with it. If you think we're incorrect, please let us know in the comments. Make a case <laughs> for it. Um, oh, in oh, fact, I, yeah.
2: What, what was that book that ran for like a few, like a dozen or so chapters? Recently? Um, the other one. What was it?
1: The other one that I complained about a lot. Yeah, the other one. What was Love that? Rush. Love Rush. Rush.
2: Okay, yeah, that's right. This is the new
1: Love Rush. I think that's a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. You know, they need they need that manga, right? And we'll see. You know, they need their obligatory haremish thing. Yeah,
2: so I mean, guess yeah. it's, it's, it's the Koi ended. Yeah, kind of like struggling.
1: Yeah. It's, so no, not really our cup of tea collectively. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, it's a bit gross. <laughs> I try to not yeah. say that, but just. You know, you know, I mean, okay, I mean, we read Food Wars, uh, but this is, I don't know. It's it just the way they, you know, and the cover of this, this latest issue, or I think maybe when it was first um, picked up to be, like, serialized officially. Um, you'll see what I mean. Um, if you haven't already. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but what well, we are fans of, My Hero Academia had a really, I think, uh, banner a month just it's it's for a while now a few months it's been knocking it it out of the park chapter after chapter um and i i've particularly thought that these uh past few ones have Mm -hmm. just been really great uh getting a little bit of a spotlight on the other characters um yeah what's what's his hero name it's uh, uh
0: his well his name is kirishima Hiroshima um, and I forget. It's like Red Red Riot. Is that it? Red Riot. I, that was the first thing that came to mind. I don't think that I'm not 100. No, right I, I think
1: you're. I think you're, you're Riot Red. One of those right. two. I, uh... um, and we'll get the childish g- giggling out of the way. Of his ability is to get hard. Um, <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> um, but I, I thought it was nice how uh, we got that kind of spotlight on him, and really that alone, I think. I I really have grown to like him as a character in such a short amount of time. I I thought those chapters with him uh, face in in that, like, alley confrontation. Yeah. I kind of got, like, a real good feel for him in just a couple of chapters. And, you know, now I just want to see this fictional character succeed. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah
0: that was really something you don't really see i feel like the the one i guess main thing i would say writing wise with horikoshi that i feel like he could have improved on which he has recently is that he i feel like sometimes he just doesn't really let the good characters shine that much they're kind of just relegated to the background and kind of just like little comments while deku and you know the um uh, bakugo and some of the other main students are doing stuff but like Giving these other characters kind of the spotlight for a few chapters really helps you to care about them. Um, Yeah. It doesn't feel like he's trying to, like... You know, it feels like he's really confident in their personalities and kind of what he's done with them.
1: Yeah. And uh, that's another one where we've got a new one, uh, a new arc just about to start as of uh, this most recent chapter. And... He's doing a pretty good job of making some... Villains that are relatively dark, yeah. gotta say, compared to some of the stuff in uh, the magazine. You know, there's like, you know, kind of like hints, at, you know, there might be some other series more hints about, oh, this person's really twisted. And here we've got a guy who, <laughs> like, possibly blows up his daughter and, like, uses her nullifying power or something like that to... You know, there's still a lot that's unsure, but it seems pretty screwed up.
0: Yeah, like his, his um his name is uh Yeah, sorry.
1: Oh I, yeah. I was just gonna say pretty okay. brutal.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um yeah, his his hero or I guess villain name is, is Overhaul. Um he's got like it's weird because he's got like this like plague mask motif. He kinda looks like a normal guy except he wears this like you know, a this kind of beak thing that looks like something you'd see on a medieval doctor's plague outfit. Um, and yeah, it's it's implied that he... Because when you first see him, it was one of those chapters we, we talked about, uh, I think, two months ago, where he blew up one of um, Shigaraki's henchmen. Um, but what we didn't know is that he can actually blow people up and then, like, reassemble them, which yeah. I guess where Overhaul comes from. So that's the whole gruesome part. It's like they die terribly but then they are reassembled and made better maybe i think we don't really know uh the extent of it at this point but it's definitely an interesting idea and yeah it's it's probably the darkest at this point the darkest thing i've read in shonen jump for a while
1: um yeah i I think that it goes part of uh you know he, he refers to the powers of his uh characters as quirks. He doesn't use, like, you know, the you know more conventional with superheroes. You're talking superpowers. You're talking about the powers that they have. You know, kind of giving it his own flair. They're referred to as quirks. Some of them, a lot of the characters, you know, it, it kind of feels like, okay, this feels more like a quirk than a power, even though, you know, obviously it means the same thing. Right. And this, is this I feel, is a good example of what a villain quirk... You know, it's just... It's so unique and it isn't something that you would think of as a in the more conventional sense as like a villain's power yeah I think it's the most
0: unique power yet that I've seen um and it's definitely like what would this like thank god this guy's a bad guy you know like how would would a good guy use this power yeah (laughs)
1: um on the topic of powers uh Black Clover recently introduced uh the king. Now, we've had the wizard king, who's, you know, kind of the aspirational, everyone wants to be the wizard king in this magical society. Um, You know, that's the drive of the main character, Asta, and his rival. Um, But there's a real king, too. Wizard king has some power, I guess. I'm not sure about the political structure of the Clover kingdom. Um, But the king has finally appeared, and he seems like an asshole. Um, uh, is he's also, I believe, uh, highly implied, if not completely confirmed, to have no magic. Is that correct, Zach? Do, am I remembering that correctly?
2: Well, I don't know. Like he, maybe,
1: maybe just very little.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know. He like had that like big show of like power or whatever, but then it's kind of like maybe it was just all show. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He's definitely I, I, like not a good guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, Asta, I know that Asta and uh, you know uh, made like comments, you know, and people got, oh, you can't be so, you can't just talk about the king that way. Um, but I wasn't sure like the full extent of Is it that he has none? But I'm kind of getting like a conflicted message with that. I, I'm not sure about you, but you know how Asta. He has no magic. He's the main character, and like at first, it's kind of like, oh, okay, so it, it doesn't matter. You, you've got your message of okay, maybe it doesn't matter if you're not like you know, born with these abilities. You can be great and all, but we're meeting our next person. Maybe I'm forgetting there have been others, but you know, our next person who has possibly no magic and I don't know. I, I'm not sure how. I feel about if uh, the other person with no magic is just a bad dude. You know, I, I feel like maybe um, if that's kind of the message that they're going for. I mean, I say message. I don't mean like it's supposed to be some preachy thing. But but I guess the, I'm more mean the theme that maybe that theme is being undercut by having... The next prominent character be more schemey the next prominent non slash minor magical character you know kind of being underhanded I'm not sure maybe it's something I'm overthinking I don't know how. if you had any opinions on that Zach uh, I guess What? how are you feeling about this uh, upcoming arc um, as you said it's kind of more tournamenty which isn't you know, that's a typical standby uh, that hasn't quite shown up yet. Um, where do you think uh... shit?
2: <laughs> What's up? What happened?
1: No, it's not like actually something. Oh, okay. <laughs> i just, I just kind of running out of steam. All <laughs> stopping I, uh, it.
2: We'll just, let's leave. We can leave this. I think... Um... So like I think that um, this arc I I mean I kind of I like tur- tournament style arcs. Their tournament arcs are good for focusing on a lot of characters. So I think like previous arcs of Black Clover tended to focus on like one cast member
1: um, especially as it heads towards the climax. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. And so this like has the potential to kind of like focus on the dynamics between like a lot of different characters and like especially we haven't seen much of like asta and and you um yeah, interacting like while. really since like the beginning of the book and so i think that's pretty much what this arc is kind
1: of gonna be about yeah and, and that's one of the series strengths i think although it's you know it's it's good fairly generic but i do like it uh, it's cast it's got a pretty good cast um and having some of some of the other members of the Black Bulls, you know, getting more attention uh, should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think, I think so too. And we'll uh, close this month, as I think we did last month, talking a little bit about One Piece. Um, yep. Overall, I th- there hasn't been like uh, too much development in the plot, other than the plot that was being plotted has finally started <laughs> go- going into effect um, wow. as of last time. <laughs> Um, but, you know, just one thing that we wanted to uh, touch on briefly was again, some uh, subversion of our expectations, uh, to use a phrase that you're probably sick of us saying at this point, but, um, <laughs> with Sanji and Pudding, you know, we have the sign that it was supposed to be she lifts up her veil. He sees the third eye. He's disgusted. They kill him. And instead, we had a fairly touching moment where you know it's Putin was expecting uh, him to be like, "Oh, how hideous!" Yeah. And instead, you know, he's earnestly like, you know, "Oh, your eye—it's so beautiful." Or something, something right. silly like that. Yeah. I, but, I
0: guess, yeah. Um, it was. It was pretty cute. Um, and for some reason, you know that you. I'm, I'm almost kind of ashamed I didn't really see it coming. It's like one of those obvious things. It's like, oh, right, of course, he's a gentleman. You know, like, right. I had almost kind of forgotten that Sanji was supposed to be like that after a while because he hasn't really gotten the spotlight for quite some time. Yeah, he's, so. not,
1: he's not just the obligatory horn dog.
0: Though he kind of is. Well, Brooke is too, so, he, I mean.
1: But emphasis on just. He is. Yeah. But he's a little bit more than that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you've forgotten he had this kind of gentlemanly, kind of chivalrous uh, side, um, at least in that. And, sense. And,
1: yeah, and originally, uh, I think again we said this in like the uh, one of the preceding months. How you know the reveal that Putin was actually uh, evil was really good, and you know, oh, we ho- I hope that he does, doesn't choose to like dial that back uh, in any way. Yeah. But I'd still rather her, like, continue to be, you know, a bad person. But Yeah,
0: I don't, yeah, I don't think, um, and I think the flashback made it pretty clear. Um, I don't think this is gonna, like, change her, but it, as you saw, like, just from her, from that quick little look into her history, um, you know, she'd been constantly made fun of for this eye. She'd been, you know, uh, you know, cast away and, 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 um. Uh, Ostracized basically from by other people, um, so I guess you know it, it makes sense at least for her to kind of just be like, oh, my, oh wow, he actually thinks I'm beautiful, kind of thing for that to kind of overwhelm her for a bit. So, um, I don't know. I mean,
1: I, I'd still rather her not, uh, yeah. like go like soft, but after that, I could, I'd be fine with it. Yeah. I wouldn't, I would her not to, but I'd be like, okay, it, it would feel fine
0: yeah i did i did actually see um just uh, because i i friends with some people who talk about one piece and i saw some people calling this like oh this was like sexist somehow or something and i i think that's reaching um i you know i think it's it's made pretty clear i I don't know that this i don't know that i would call this a moment of weakness um more just kind of a humanizing moment really more than anything if you want to yeah uh, you know, I'm not particularly attached to pudding or anything, but certainly it made me care a little bit more about her. made me feel kind of bad for her, honestly. And then, you know, even though she is a bad character and probably will remain bad. We'll see. Um, You know, it was a good character moment for Sanji. So
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a level of depth that isn't super deep, but it's kind of deep for one piece
0: yeah one piece's characterization is very good um that doesn't mean that it's complex in any way um but yeah so, so moments like these are really really nice
1: it reminds you why it's one of the yeah. most popular i would say
0: that said but, i i am kind of ready for the one uh the um big mom arc to be over i i find her to be pretty over underwhelming um so that's true. yeah I, I like you know, I like some of the character beats and some of the things that have happened overall. I think it's kind of in one of the weaker arcs. I haven't hated it. Um, but I'm kind of ready for them to move on to one of the the bigger threats, I want to say, because I still haven't felt like and one thing that one piece is, is good at doing for some of its villains is making them feel really threatening. and even though Big Mom's supposed to be like this super powerful. Uh, Emperor of the Sea, they call her. There are four of them. One Piece really likes to do their like four blank or seven blank, like you know, um, categories of characters. Um, she has never really impressed me on that scale, so I'm kind of ready to move past her. So hopefully, hopefully it'll end okay. Um, but yeah, I'm just ready. I'm kind of ready to to move on.
1: Yep. Speaking of moving on, our time is at an end. Uh, next. <laughs> Next month, we will be talking about a, a haiku. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Yep. Uh, Haikyuu. Uh, that's written by Haruchi uh, Furudate. Uh, that's what was alluded to earlier with our sports manga discussion. Um, it's about uh, volleyball. I believe he's one of those characters that has that kind of gimmick of the one thing he's really good at. But Probably. we'll get into that more next month. Uh yep. Let us, let us know if you guys have any comments in the comments section and we'll see you guys next month.
0: Yep, see ya.
1: Oh, see ya. and before I forget, my Twitter handle is Waltor, that's with an O and two R's. Zach?
2: I'm at SirFox89.
1: And Emily?
0: And I'm at 1000throws.
1: Alright, great.